Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We've been reading together and then studying through the Beatitudes, talking about the blessed life. At the risk of it becoming just repetitious, I want us to read together again out loud Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And I hope this doesn't just become repetitious to you. These are the words of God, the words of Jesus Christ Himself as He stood and preached this message. And there's great truth here to encourage us tonight. I'll start reading verses 1 and 2, and then you join in with me out loud on verse number 3, okay? Here we go. And seeing the multitudes, He went up into a mountain. And when He was set, His disciples came unto Him. We have the scripture on the screen? I'm sorry. Okay, well, you're going to have to do it from your Bible. That'll be a good thing. All right. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say, all manner of evil falsely against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Tonight we're going to focus on verse number 7, which very simply says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. One of the fascinating things I found in just thinking through all of this, these Beatitudes is that this is the one Beatitude that what you give is what you receive. All the other Beatitudes you uh, do or get or give or have a particular attitude about something and you do or get or give or receive something different than what you put in. But here, this one, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's the same on both ends. Those who give mercy are those who receive mercy. What you give is what you get. I think it's interesting because this follows along with the parable of the sower that Christ told that talking about spreading seed and you reap what you sow if you'll sow mercy you'll receive mercy one of the things we learned from the parable of the sower and that story of sowing and reaping is the idea not only do you reap in kind what you sow but you also reap more than you sow and this is definitely the case when it comes to mercy the dictionary defines mercy as 
compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. You could punish this person, you could harm this somebody, this person, but rather than hurt them, you help them. Rather than punish them, you show compassion, mercy. Tonight, we understand from the Word of God that God is the greatest giver of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. As we think about this idea of mercy and giving mercy to others, we can go to the pages of Scripture to see that God is the greatest giver of mercy. If you have your Bible, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verses 4 through 6 with me. The Bible says this, But God, who is rich in, here's our word, mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that the wages of sin is death. So you and I are sinners. You and I deserve death. That's the punishment we deserve. But praise God for His mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy. God doesn't give us what we deserve. We deserve His punishment but rather He gives us His grace. He withholds His punishment because of His great mercy. I want you to look at another passage with me. Over in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus told a parable about a man who was shown mercy but refused to show mercy to somebody else. This is a whole message in and of itself, but I... I'm going here tonight because I want you to really take some time to think about the fact that God is the greatest giver of mercy. When I make that statement, I don't think anybody in here is surprised by that statement. I don't think anybody here would disagree with that statement, but I think it's important for us to just take a couple minutes and remind ourselves of why that statement is true. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 23 Jesus said, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Now this amount of money was beyond the amount of money that any normal person would ever have the ability to repay. Back then, in those days, a day's wage would have been a penny. A talent might have taken them just an average daily labor as long as a year to earn a talent's worth of money, maybe longer in some cases. 10,000 talents. This is not $10,000. This is like just days and weeks and months and years and years and years beyond even a human lifetime the amount of time it would take to earn this much money. This is how much this man owed to his king. But verse 25, For as much as he had not to pay, 
his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. What a wonderful definition and demonstration of mercy. This man had a debt that he could not repay. This man had a debt that there was no way he could work off. And his Lord forgave the debt. He could have thrown him in prison. He could have had all of his possessions, even his family, sold off into slavery, but he didn't. He forgave him. But look what this man did after he was forgiven. Verse number 28, But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, just a tiny fraction of what this man had just been forgiven. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. What's wrong with this guy? And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after they had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? I showed you mercy. Shouldn't you have shown this man mercy? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. Jesus here gives us this amazing and very drastic graphic story of one man who received mercy and yet wouldn't give mercy to others. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Of course, in this story, the master, the Lord is, is the picture of our Lord, our God, our heavenly father. That servant is a picture of us. And the picture here is, if God has forgiven us of so much, shouldn't we forgive those who have hurt us? Or as Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, those who have trespassed against us. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is the greatest giver of mercy. But based on these same passages we looked at, I think we can also understand that the believer is the greatest recipient of mercy. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been saved from your sin, you are the greatest recipient of mercy. It's interesting to think about it because I would argue that somebody who's never trusted Christ as their Savior hasn't had the benefit of receiving the same kind of mercy that you and I as believers have received. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I get frustrated with people who don't believe in Christ, who do things that are mean or nasty or against me. Have you ever thought about it? If you and I are the greatest recipients of mercy, then why are we going around frustrated when others who haven't yet received that mercy, now I would argue that mercy is available if they'd trust in the Lord as their Savior, they could be recipients of that mercy that you and I have received. But I think it ought to change our thinking towards those that behave in ways that attack us because we're the greatest recipients of mercy. It shouldn't bother us to the extent that it does when others attack us and treat us rudely or say false things about us because we've already received the mercy of God. If you've been a great recipient of mercy, think about it. If you were, if you had some vast sum of money, if you were extremely wealthy, would it really bother you if somebody came up and said, give me a dollar, give me a dollar. Okay, here's a dollar. I've got millions more. If you've received God's great and rich mercy, His abundant mercy beyond what we could ever comprehend or ever deserve, why does it bother us so much then when others need some mercy and we don't want to get it? Or we don't want to give it, I'm sorry. The believer is the greatest recipient of mercy. So with those two points in mind, that God is the greatest giver, of mercy and the believer is the greatest recipient of mercy. I want us to go back and think about this beatitude here in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Our third point tonight is that the believer is motivated to give mercy. The believer is motivated to give mercy. I see two reasons why the believer is motivated to give mercy. The first is that we're motivated to give mercy because we have received mercy. You've received it. It ought to motivate you to give it. Just like the man in the story who'd received great mercy from his master, it should have motivated him to give mercy to others. But I think secondly, and we can see this specifically from our text in Matthew 5-7, we ought to be motivated to give mercy because you will receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Two motivations for giving mercy. One, because you've received it already. And two, because you will receive it. You've already received it, and you will continue to receive it in the future. Let me take you to a couple other passages of Scripture as we think about this. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Isn't that interesting that by showing mercy to others, we're actually taking care of ourselves? If you are cruel to others, you're actually hurting yourself. But doesn't that seem backwards? Like, if I'm mean to you, I'm hurting you. That's true, but the Bible says you're also hurting yourself. Go around, well, this person was mean to me, so I'm going to be mean back to them. Stop it. You're hurting yourself. God's Word teaches us how to take care of our bodies. God's Word teaches us how to function in relation with other people, both believers and 
non-believers. The proverb is clear. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. Or how about the scripture in Micah 6, 8? You probably know this one. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Mercy. God is the greatest giver of mercy. As a believer, you are the greatest recipient of mercy. Therefore, you as a believer ought to, more than anyone else, be motivated to give mercy. You've already received God's mercy. Therefore, you ought to give mercy. But also, you will receive mercy from the Lord if you continue to give mercy. This goes right along with the Lord's Prayer in Mike, or Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 where the Lord said, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How can you expect to be forgiven if you yourself wouldn't be willing to forgive? Or later on in the Lord's Prayer, verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 18.25, With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. Or as James, the, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, wrote in his book, James 2.13, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Now, I'm like you when somebody does me wrong. My tendency is not to show them mercy. Now, if I see them getting punishment for doing wrong, I tend to rejoice in that. But I'm not quick to show mercy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're frustrated and you drive on down the road and they're visiting with an officer of the law getting a ticket, and you go, that's not an attitude of mercy, is it? Nope. It's rejoicing that someone else is receiving judgment. Now, if you had just been pulled over by a police officer yourself, and he came up and said, well, now you were speeding or you did this wrong, but this time I'm going to show mercy. I'm just going to give you a warning. Go on down the road. Now, when you get down the road and you see that guy pulled over, you're probably more likely to say, wow, I sure hope maybe they'll show him some mercy as well. Oftentimes, we are quick to want to see the judgment and calamity of others because we forget how much mercy has been shown towards us. Isn't it interesting when we think about how sometimes the smallest things will just set us off. I mean, it just might be a little statement. Somebody looks at you the wrong way. A, a family member even maybe doesn't come through and do what you expect them to do, and it just sets you off, and you're so frustrated. Why? Maybe you've forgotten how much mercy God has shown to you. 
Maybe as you demonstrate mercy to others, you will, as this beatitude says, be the recipient of more mercy in return. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We like to receive mercy. Giving it is a lot harder. We like to receive mercy from God, but we'd really like to see God judge everybody else that does as well. But praise God that we are not God and that He is far better than us. He's perfect, He's holy, and He's full of love. So when you're done wrong, when people treat you poorly, when they say evil things about you, we'll get into more of that later in the Beatitudes here, give it to the Lord and ask God to remind you of the mercy that He has shown to you. Open your word, of the, open the word of God and be reminded of the mercy that God showed to you in salvation. Be reminded that He continues to show you that mercy every day because there's not a single one of us in here since receiving Christ as our Savior who hasn't messed up and sinned again. And God just keeps on giving mercy. He keeps showing us forgiveness. Now, it doesn't mean that God never brings judgment. It doesn't mean that God never disciplines us. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying if we expect to be recipients of mercy, then we ought to be givers of mercy. The blessed life, the happy life, the fulfilled life, one of the tenets of this blessed life, the believer in Christ, ought to be known by as a person who gives mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know about you, but if somebody had to take stock of my life, I wonder if they would say, oh yeah, he's very merciful. Or for others, say, well, he sure loves judgment. He sure loves to make it all his way. I would just challenge you, let God take care of the judgment, because he can do it better than you and I can. And let's be givers of mercy. Let's be givers of mercy to our spouses. Let's be givers of mercy to our church family members. Let's be givers of mercy to those in our community. Let's show mercy because that's what God has shown to us. Now some may ask, well, so you're saying that there's no rule of law that we should just let people get off with crimes? No. God is a God of law. God is a God of order. When somebody breaks the law, they deserve to receive recompense for what they've done wrong. But if somebody does receive mercy, it shouldn't frustrate us. Rather, it ought to remind us, oh, I've received mercy, and I sure am thankful. Trust God enough that he'll make sure the person that needs judgment gets judgment when they need it. And let's be those, rather that are always ready to mete out judgment, rather be those who give mercy and receive mercy from God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain Lord, thank you for your word. Mercy is something I like to get. It's not something I'm as good at giving. I 
That may be true for most everybody here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us to be givers of mercy. Because you've given us mercy. And if we're to walk in your footsteps to follow in your example, we ought to be willing to show mercy to others. Lord, thank you for the great mercy that you've showed to us. We deserve death and hell. Lord, you haven't given it to us. Instead, you've given us your grace, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we'd be ministers of that grace to others, that we would point them to you, that in trusting you as their Savior, they would get to experience your mercy as well. Help us to be reminded tonight that we are the greatest recipients of mercy. In Jesus' name I pray.